Good evening, Professor Bidika Nduli, historian, activist, sculptor, academic, and poet. We met earlier today, and I had the great pleasure of being in your art studio, engaging some very important conversations that outside that conversation one would probably never know. And the more we spoke, the more I asked questions, the more I asked questions, the deeper into your history and into the history of your struggle we went. And so I asked for your indulgence earlier today, if you could just let the nation know. I mean, we're always asking you for opinions, and it's about contemporary issues, and that is indeed appropriate. I don't take away your voice insofar as it relates to your contribution to the democracy of today, but it certainly isn't premised on these views, who you are. Beneath the surface, beneath the voice that we have become quite accustomed to in offering perspectives of the neo-questions of what and who we are as this current society, where does this come from? Born in 1940, and of course you have done the circle around the nations of the world in coming back to South Africa post-1990 with the unbanning of political formations and individuals linked to the struggle. And I really want you to go to town as to your road and journey in leaving South Africa and coming back. Let's talk about the underground. Let's talk about the training you underwent. Let's talk about living in exile. Bitikanduli. Good evening, Prof. Uh, the task you are setting me is quite a very difficult one because it is so wide and uh, and varied. But I'll try to do the best that uh, I, I can. Uh, from the time when I was about uh, you know nineteen. I was detained uh, in a couple of times until I thought it was best for me to uh, leave the country and I went over to Switzerland. And uh, I was uh, then a young member at 20 of the Pan-Africanist Congress of Azania. And then when I arrived in Switzerland, there was only one uh, member of the PAC, uh, that was the Belekhaya Sange, who unfortunately died in Denmark years later. So we are the people who set up the uh, PAC, you know, in uh, in you know, in Swaziland, uh, to an extent you know, to which during the Zemutuping Bethel secret trial, Judge K. Lewis uh, raised that we are judging people over here for treason, and yet the people that are responsible for this treason. Uh, right out there in the Swaziland, and they mentioned uh, you know, actually the six uh, you know, of us. And then I could you know, understand from their own perspective, because one of the people that we were detained with, uh, a poet, closest friend I had, called Bika Masego. Uh, three months before the Soweto uprising, he wrote a poem that was called Generally Speaking. I would like to use that in order to frame my discussion. This poem goes like, uh, Generally speaking, we can on salute General de Gaulle detect a left Franco, uh, Franco uh, uh, from Africa. General Eisenhower, we wave uh, goodbye to him. As for Spinola of Portugal, he lost his generalship down in the Mozambican beach. 
As for the founders of their races, Barak, General Bosa, General Smart, General Herzog, it is time for us to take cover. For generally speaking, the best of the generals is a general uprising. So from then onwards, then, it found that we had been harassed now and again. Uh, we know that the ANC, the PAC, sometimes they would bomb and they would kidnap either people in the end. But we did quite a very powerful visit. I remember that personally, when I was in charge at receiving a lot of uh, the uh, people who fled after June uh, uh, it was 76, I had a policy to say to these young people, when you go to any country in the world, don't look for the South African boyfriend or girlfriend. It will be good in order to look for the local ones and be honest and be introduced to the family. Then you become part of a long family, then the intelligence of whatever is happening to you, that will actually protect you. And it has proven a lot of stuff. But let's pass on in Swaziland. But in Swaziland, I was very, very fortunate to be teaching at the Royal School. Uh, where King Sopuza II uh, was, the person I owe my knowledge of culture, my, the wisdom that I actually have you know, from him, who uh, gave me a diplomatic passport to go and study uh, in America to keep me away from the South Africans who were out and out to get me. But then from then, but before then, we were detained you know, in uh, Swaziland for protected things for a year in solitary confinement in the death cells. Then we are released then into uh, 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 the UK. Then we only went over to Greece, others went over to Canada. But I went over to the uh, United Kingdom. That is where much of my exile uh, was uh, actually spent. And while in uh, in exile, uh, Nomalaga and Charlotte and my wife and I were part of uh, the people who started what was called apples and snake poetry uh, in the setup, where music and poetry, which still exists today, which was the biggest in the, in the world, where South African uh, you know, poets, Killian, and all of those, we gathered them at a place uh, called Africa Center, where we, we did our poetry and so on. Part of what we we're actually doing was that we have got to mobilize the local. Uh, you know, people in America, in, 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 in France, or anywhere, so that the populace of that place could uh, force their own government, uh, in, in a sense, to uh, uh, you know, get the apartheid to the uh, negotiating table in order to end the atrocities uh, you know, that were, were, uh, were happening. But then, but before that, we had to go a lot of uh, uh, stuff and military training. I wouldn't like to go. Uh, very much more about. But the one I would rather speak about, which is very, very important, was where the Mugomez area in Guaguba, where the South African security you know, people sent in there because they wanted to get rid of the chief that was, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, you radical know, very political. So we as the PAC, now led by uh, 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 the Afla High Command, Iraq, Ido uh, Zulu, and Kassim and Lovu were involved in the you know, skirmishes and battles you know, around that uh, you know, place. And then when everything happened, then we flee back into Swaziland in order to hide. And we had very good hiding uh, you know, places that uh, some people in the royal place secretly showed us 
as to where we can go and hide in a cave that are even safer, that even locals do not actually go to. But once then, we are in London, then, uh, apart from getting whatever I actually studied, I spent most of my time mobilizing for the people, traveling, you know, throughout, you know, uh, you know Europe, preaching the gospel of liberation, uh, you know, for South Africa. Our house in East, uh, in London, uh, became uh, more of a refugee place. Those South African, uh, both South Africans who came to London ended up in our own place. Uh, the, 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 the late Trini Mutli, uh, you know, Don Makera, Maisha uh, Vaponye, Masimela Manaka, the whole lot of uh, those people. Our house, you know, became, you know, a, a, a powerful place where we, we, we needed to be. But then it became then we became then part of a group that was demonstrating for 24 hours in front of uh, the South African High Commission in Trafalgar Square, shouting every night, "Isolate apartheid, send things now! Isolate apartheid, send things now!" And we all we, we, we did that. Even my wife, you know, after that, I remember her night feet being carried and thrown into the back of the van. Uh, that to be taken uh, to Bow Street uh, Magistrate Court to be charged with disturbing the peace. So we are not compromising in anything. We organize schools and universities where we have cut off chapters where we go, you know, lectures and talks and mobilize, uh, in, 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 you know, people to tell them about the atrocities that our people were were were, were, were undergoing. And there were moments when assassins were sent over to us in the Swaziland to destabilize us. But because of the policy we had introduced, that when you get into a country, you get a local girlfriend or a boyfriend, we were warned long before by ordinary people to say there are cars from South Africa that parked away from your house when others park in front of here. We wonder why those are in there, alerting us to it. So, uh, in, a, in a word, uh, I've lived a very a tough and a very challenging uh, in, in our life. Uh, I have just one of my poems uh, you know, called uh, A Child of Exile, where I speak about uh, you know, writing while I am running, you know, painting while I'm on stilts. Currently, as an exhibition, as Masiswedi, that is in Devon Art Gallery, uh, of 45 poems, each and every poem with a poem. But one section of the poem uh, of the exhibition has got, uh, you know, books uh, where I wrote poems at the back when I had no paper, when I was in hiding, uh, when I was in hiding, or when I was commenting. You know, only the drawings I was doodling when I was frustrated and not doing anything are now blown up. So I have actually lived my life every day of my life fighting against some, uh, some justice and occasionally celebrating the triumphs that other countries uh, have achieved. That was Professor Pitikantuli offering his perspectives. Of course, this is nothing compared to the let me call it umkhabulo, I was so privileged to have from him earlier today. 
The time is 2028. We have to take a net break, after which I implore all of you at home to participate in this conversation. You might ask, what is it? Let's ask and engage the conversation of the exile years, young people in their 30s, if they were old. A lot of the time they were teenagers who left the country via any of the frontline states, Swaziland, Lesotho, Botswana, you name it. They went out there to the world unknown, That's what they did, and they carved for themselves not only a life outside South Africa, but beyond that, and more importantly because of that, planning the downfall of apartheid together with the support of the international community. Lusaga, Zambia, former ANC headquarters, Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. There's a Somon Matlango Freedom College in Tanzania. Angola, what role did Angola play in the liberation of South Africa, or where does it fit into this political context? Gaddafi, Algeria, where do they fit into this thing? The role of the anti-apartheid movement in the UK, what role is centered there? The role of the US in certainly liberating our leaders, who, or those who become our leaders, certainly in the context of education, and many who in, in, in this day still preside over public and state institutions who went to the US, among other places, for the purposes of getting the necessary training. And it's inevitable that a conversation of and about China and Russia will come to the fore. This is not a new conversation when we talk about BRICS. It has political history. It has political context. If you can, therefore, as you sit at home, lend credence to this debate, to this discussion, to this conversation, by anecdotes of those of you who were in exile, you're a child of exile by virtue of your parents, or you yourself have got a story or two that you might regale that offers context and meat, if not meat, then fat to the skeleton that has been outlined by Professor Pitikanduli. We certainly would welcome those thoughts, as I will initially engage him too on some of the things that he said in this conversation that perhaps are a little scant for detail. The time is 2030. We have a full 30 minutes of a question and answer. The underground struggle in South Africa and the exile years, perspectives from those who walked that path after the break. Hashtag SAFM Viewpoint. We're back. We are live on SAFM, and we certainly do welcome thoughts, comments, and perspectives on the conversation we are having this evening. You certainly know what it is now, so I'm only waiting, please, for your calls on 86 2032. WhatsApp, voice note facility, or text facility 0614-104-107. And you obviously know what the rules are now. I don't need to rehash them. And we certainly look forward to your engagement. Professor Nduli, thank you so much for your words. Thank you so much for your memory. We certainly do appreciate that. And because you've said it on a public platform, it's there for all of time's sake. For so long as this country and the SABC exist, this a very important conversation and contribution to memory, to history, even to arts, is indeed secured. I do want to probe one or two questions, for instance. I mean, let's talk about Swaziland. How did you land up in Swaziland? On what basis were you sure that leaving South Africa, going to set up a base, a base to receive other South Africans, that first of all, you were landing in an environment that would facilitate for that, and beyond that, receiving those South Africans from across the border, there was always a risk that there was the enemy from within, one who looked like you, sounded like you, and told a similar story to why they would be leaving South Africa. 
only for that person actually to be the intelligence of the South African Defense Force or the South African police or the, the establishment of apartheid, I suppose. So treacherous as the journey might have been, it was very necessary, I accept, but not without its inherent risks. Please share some of those perspectives that perhaps I might have missed or we would ordinarily miss because we were not there. Yeah, uh, I went to Swaziland not to set up uh, uh, the PAC. I just went in there because I was sick of being, uh, uh, you know, detained and being. But it is it's when I was there, and then some other people were also running away that I realized that it had become now, uh, you know, my duty to uh, welcome those people because they they have nowhere else to go to set up the facilities. Uh, you know, for them. And we're also very lucky, you know, because when we were in Swaziland, there was the ANC and there was the PAC. You know, but we worked up in a sense together. There was no hostility about it because we recognized that uh, we are movements, we are not parties. A party is of a particular ideological you know, perspective. When it is a movement, you call nationalists, you call narrow nationalists, you call Marxists. You, 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 you could born again Christian. So we knew that in both uh, groups are, we had more friends than in the ANC, than in the PAC, or the PPC, and so on. So that is what we uh, you know, set up uh, you know, to do, to welcome the people coming all the way from, uh, you know, from PE, young people. You know, some of them even younger than uh, 20, still kind of uh, in a teenager lost, you know, in in the world. And then as a little older, you know, man, then the job is to make sure that they get what they need to do. Those who needed training, those who needed to go and study, those who were at all, became now part and parcel of the daily, you know, life that we had to, you know, confront and change. And also remember that there were some members of the Swaziland, the government, who connived with apartheid, uh, the regime who will get some of our people and throw them across the uh, the border with AK-47 and say this uh, so this is the you know, terrorist. My particular involvement here was uh, the Silver Term Three, uh, you know, guys. When I was detained in the death cells in maximum security, they were also there in, in solitary confinement. But because I believed in Swaziland and some of the orders that were there. Uh, people who I, I I taught at school, they told me that we've got three young ANC guys here that are going to be sold to South Africa. Uh, well, what do we do? I made contact uh, you know, with them, sending up letters through these other people, publicizing the story so that that thing did not happen. Uh, it's when now when you go to Soweto, you find the the, Sowet, uh, the uh, Silver Storm Three monument of metal that I'd created. Mm. Uh, when we were putting that one up, uh, we got the families of Mafuku, Kubi, uh, as well as Magella. Uh, you know, there, one of the members of the family said, oh. Tarendule, I think we've lost you there. Are you still there? Okay, it's a pity that we seemingly have lost in Dadinduli, but I think we're going to carry on for the show. Certainly it does do that. The time is 2037, 086-000-2037, and I certainly know what the first line is going to be 
from this guest Mamuvoi in Parktown North, something like this, <laughs> when I was in exile. Okay, well, let's hear your exile stories. I think the opportunity has uh, been long <laughs> coming. Mamvoye, your your perspectives, your stories, your experiences in exile. Let's hear it, please, Mamzo. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Mm. Um, nah, I never planned exile. You know, my parents were busy in um, the struggle, underground missions of the liberation struggle, then they fell victims of the system. I was rescued by Professor Pitika would know her. She was at Ramachoba in the kind of the just latest uh, the Massacre. They smuggled us uh, uh, under the instruction of Mamun Mandela to return in a safe house because I was less than nine. But it was as I was growing up in the frontline states, and one day I landed in London. So these are the amazing elders that I found. Your Professor Pichiran Kelly, your Jake Okai, your Professor Hotisile, they were already there, your Professor Mzamani. You know, I, 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 I always, I always, you know, have fond memories of us and the brothers from the Caribbean and uh, elsewhere, you know, in the diaspora, for the sake of knowledge. Yeah, there I was staying in O.R.'s house, but <clears throat> we'll go out there to take knowledge, not so from Professor Drake Cocker, a man who actually was D.C., a staunch D.C. Uh, he is the man that taught me a, a lot about the history of Africa, the queens and the kings, your Anuna Zaria, your Queen Bandejinga, your Nandi, and your know, you Queen Chuchula. You, you know, I learned a lot from this old man. And thanks to Pichika and, and the legends for opening their home. But uh, we'll find ourselves there listening to the stories, you know, as young stars learning a lot from uh, our, our our elders. So I just want to thank that. And uh, I wish, as you cover this, you could also try and find out the Machoba family in Kashiso, and Sistepa, because that's the house where many of us as children left from that house. And uh, their houses in England became like, a, you know, like you said, refuge homes, you know. But I wanted to ask him a question. What has happened? Because we've come back home, we are worse in divisions, you know, chapters in Africa and what. We are not as united as we were when we were in this struggle. We, 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 we felt for each other, you know. And another amazing thing was the court, where you are sent into a certain destination, you know, to deliver something, especially as, as young stars. And, You've been given a code, and uh, that particular person has a code. But amazing, at this Vienna airport or elsewhere, you know, you will be able to identify the person. There were no phones that much. Uh, technology was not so advanced as it is now. But today, I could phone Sang- Songezo, and, and I won't get hold of Songezo. You know, Songezo won't even respond <laughs> to me. <my laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. I mean, uh, uh, 
I have a different view on that. I mean, I certainly the times are different. My phone is my phone. It's 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 for my convenience, not for anyone else. No, and for a number of data, because I mean, because lunch, because data, because I don't know what story I'm going to talk. I'm not a person of interest. But by then, uh, mm. we were all persons. And I don't interest. say you're not a person of interest. That <laughs> a person of interest, even personally, over either to me, your uh, your struggles, your sacrifices, is far much more even the younger than us unflinchingly, uh, you know, making people sit down and listen. Mm, mm, mm. Well, you heard that. I mean, I think the, the, I mean, of course, we make the call. If anyone knows anything about the Machoba family from Kachiso and Soweto, this is certainly a story that is worth unearthing as well, what their home became for those who were in transit in the struggle. Mawunduli, it's 2042. We certainly do not have much time. I'm going to... I mean, there's a gentleman like here from Pretoria East who says, please ask Prof, what does he think about the popular transit house in Trelawney that was never attacked by the apartheid government despite it being well known for what was happening there? And I remember being in audience with Elias Masilela, whose home it was. I think it belonged to his mother or his grandmother. Either way, it was number 43 Trelawney Park in Swaziland, Mbabane, possibly, I could be wrong on the city, but do you have anything to share about that popular destination, transit destination, if you like, about Swaziland? And perhaps just further comment on that, the the role that the frontline states played in ultimately seeing the end of apartheid, your Namibias, your Botswana, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, Swaziland, Lesotho, because it is once we understand that, that will give us better context of the diplomatic and political relations of today. Why is it that South Africa has to be part of the political settlement of the disputes in Zimbabwe and the position that President Tabombeke took, this is now 2008-2009, with Mugabe and Swangirai, and what history he had to navigate in seeing to it that the rule of law and that the will of the people of Zimbabwe to the extent possible, was restored, if restored is the word. Dikhang Moseneke, Cyril Ramaphosa, Judge Dikhang and President Ramaphosa, Judge Moseneke being deployed to Lesotho to ensure political stability. That is not without political context. When the Namibian president attends an ANC gathering um, earlier this year, it's not because they have just found each other as friends, but when you talk about Toivo Ya Toivo on Robben Island, and even before him, the relationships that would have been sealed between the members of the political ANC and the underground world at large in South Africa and Namibia, then you get a fuller picture of what it is that perhaps are some of the political settlements or political maneuverings of today that are responsive to a history that long predates the democracy we have. Okay. Now, let me go to put it in the Shiroli Park. Elias Basmela is my cousin. Oh, wow. Behind number 43, that's one of the PAC safe houses. That is where the joining Kadimeng, even the Zumas who who used to come over to uh, Shiroli Park, the uh, Dr. Congo, and all of the other people uh, 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 in the way. So that was the uh, you know, part of the parcel of uh, what we are. But now, 
the contribution that Swaziland either really made. Uh, King Sopuza II was just one of the wisest people you know, that uh, I, mean, I knew. And I worked well for him uh, even to a very large spite you know, for, you know, for him. He introduced the Swazi airline precisely in order that if the South Africans that were in there, they can go via Swazi airline. That's how I went over to America. He had that kind of a, 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 a in, in foresight. I spent a lot of time, you know, with uh, King Sobhuz. When I was teaching right up at the Royal uh, 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 in the school, he would say, you know, something to me like, have you been to that mountain up there? I said, no, I haven't been to that mountain because the mountain is forbidden, because that's the sacred mountain where the royalty were, were buried. No one goes there. And then he says, is, do you think the whole mountain is forbidden or next to the mountain that is forbidden, there could be little caves? You know, mm. it was just a little discussion that meant nothing. Mm. It was when the crash came that he was telling me that if anything happens, if you've got arms to hide, and if you want to hide, you can go there. Even the South African police do not know how to get uh, uh, in there. Right? Mm. He, you know, Swaziland played a very, very, very crucial role. And King Sopuza the second said, we are not going to put in uh, uh, the refugees uh, to call them into camps because they create each target. Mm. There were, they were no camps. There was not a single a time where the group of South Africans were chucked out of uh, in Swaziland under, uh, you know, uh, the King Sobuza uh, in, in the second. Right. Mm. Even when I was detained up there, up in the death cells, you know, in it, he sent one of his wives to come to me. And because the rumor was that we were detained, you know, you know because we wanted to kill the king. Then uh, the, the wife was saying, the king knows that all of that thing is actually a lie. And he, he, you know that he knows. But uh, he wants me to make sure that you exactly know what it is. And right now, uh, he gave me even an opportunity when I went over to study in, in America uh, to spend time with his own children. He said, you are a South African, you are streetwise. My children may not be streetwise. He allocated about five of the children that were in there that I kind of look you know, after them. was just a little bit older you know, mm. than, uh, 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 you know, than them. So you become part of actually of that uh, in the family. So Swaziland has played a very key and a crucial role, you know, in our uh, liberation. It is said that it has got to where it is, uh, you know, right now, which is directly, diametrically opposite uh, to what uh, the redoubtable King Sopuza, the second ruler of the that was a very great and a very wise man. The history lesson continues. The time is 2048. Professor Piti Ganduli, historian, activist, sculptor, academic, poet, now going down memory lane to a time that was important, that should be recorded for posterity's sake in the country, but also a very painful time. The fact that one even needed to go through that to live a life in freedom. After the break, we continue to take your calls on 86 0 2032 Contributions, questions, comments 
on the days in exile. To what extent, if at all, do you relate with the exile years? Do you have a cousin, brother, family member who went to exile? Did you go to exile? Did you ever think you would come back if you did and tell the story? Much less 30 years later in democratic South Africa, we continue the conversation. The Viewpoint on SAFM, Monday to Thursday, 8 p.m. till 10 p.m. The soul of poetry, the heart of sculpture. The poet is a predator, violates linguistic principles, strangles morphology, murders syntax, kidnaps phonetics and locks them up in muted cages of sound, reorganizes epistemologies while dancing on ontological essences, pronounces on axiological questions, reinvents language. In fact, a poet is a policeman, arrests words and magisterially sentences them into terms of prison imprisonment to serve present agendas of hope and despair and touch the pulse of anguish and redemption. Sculpture is about mass and space. It must be grounded and free to soar, flow through space, and the fluids that have passed through it shape the grain of wood or stone, even bone. In other words, each material that I use retraces the journey of its juices, its beginnings, to reflect and to code them. The wood must dry up before it is used, the bone part with this, the parts with decaying flesh, and wait for the barrel to dry before the work begins. To sculpt, therefore, is a metaphorical to visit the original state of the material to externalize its innate fluidity. My heart has its roots in the bowels of exile. Its sensitivity is measured against timelines and space over which I had no control. I began my art practice in exile infused by my African sensibilities, dualism a hyenas and mamba snakes. So scavenging the skip scrap yards and derelict factory lots of Western Europe became my second nature to be in exile to a large extent, to a large degree to scavenge life. People forget that hyenas are also able hunters. I returned to my native land where nothing is discarded, where plastics are refashioned into mats, chickens and a host of other creative forms begin honing my hunting skills. Sculptured poetry wrestle within me for space in moments of articulation. They are first cousins. Each form claims center stage and space in my psyche, a relay team, one taking off where the other fails, falters or freezes. None tries to explain the other at best. They refer to each other. Sculpture in wood, stone, or bone, a subtractive, a stripping prose of excess words and reshaping it to arrive at a center or essences of communication. Poetry using fine objects in sculpture is an additive juxtaposition of form and shape to ignite flights of imagination. It is an exercise of familiarization and defamiliarization, unleash visual puns and alliterations and resonance to move the spirit through the appreciation of beauty. That is art. That is history. That is accounting for the exile years. 2054 is the time we are fast wrapping up this conversation with Professor Pitigan Duli. Let's go to Stexbrate, Eastern Cape, 
Mkolisi, good evening. You know, I was very interested in your topic with this uh, professor. Uh, I have been interested in knowing the history of the PSP, except for reading in the papers, but their strategy and whatever, their ideology. Now, uh, can you maybe please give me uh, the professor's uh, numbers or, or wherever he's based so that I can get his book? Certainly. I think the name and surname, petikanduli.com, that's his website. Everything you will need for, of, and about, and from him is there. It details his work history, everything that you need to know about Professor Nduli, petikanduli.com, everything is there, including the contact details. And I think I'm just going to yield to how you can get hold of him via the network. I'm loath to obviously offer his details on air for obvious poppy and related issues. But thank you so much, Dr. Mkolisi, for your call. I thank you. I thank you, SAS. I understand there's one voice note. Whilst we're looking for the voice note, there are just over four minutes or just under four minutes left of this program. So please get through and send your contributions. Professor Nduli, as we wait for the voice note, perhaps a small but yet very significant anecdote as to the state of mind, the fact that one always had to be ready for the worst. I'm just going to say one sentence and you know exactly where this comes from and where it is going. Sleeping with an AK-47. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know the story that uh, uh, two assassins were sent over to Swaziland to uh, bump me off, and I was expecting them. So they just came in, passing through the door with uh, a pistol pointing up into the Asian uh, sky. Uh, after a kind of a brief uh, discussion, because they could really decided that they were not going to uh, kill me in defiance, because they'd been watching me related to one of them was an orphan and as they were watching me i was there at one stage they they said we found you in an orphanage today children running all over you that i decided that no 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 i can't see this person who would have accepted me when i've been rejected by anybody so when they came in there i was lying in bed i was expected i was lying in bed with my knees uh, you know up and uh, I said, put your guns down. Then they decided to put the guns down. That they were not going to do anything. I said, that was a very wise decision. They say, why? I said, because if I thought you didn't, you would have been dead. But they, they were laughing their heads off. I said, hey, Paul, can you pull this blanket uh, uh, you know, from my, uh, my knee? When they pulled the blanket, all along they were talking, and AK-47 was just pointed straight at them. Those are some of these ones I don't want even to talk about. Because it brings in so many things. So many yeah, young people who are with, people who are just some of them short, trying to cross the border just next to you. We have to carry. We have to carry two girls uh, who came from uh, from PE, from the border, right over to Manzini, moving at night. Well, for some people, it's already caught in there. So the issue of uh, people romanticizing you know, exile is 
uh, is something that one cannot actually even begin in a sense to uh, understand. But my saddest part is that some of the people who were leading, they will sacrifice everything. One of them just, uh, you know, phoned me here and said, hey, man, can you give me a thousand rand? Uh, I, I need to go and buy, you, you know, this. What has our country got to? What has our country got to? Let's take one more voice note. Hello, Songezo. Good to hear the prof there. I wanted to ask if we can get a perspective from him when they were in the liberation struggle in the trenches or in exile, they were looking at being independent like South Africa is now and the other Southern African states are now. What was the outlook? What did they talk about? In the event the liberators became oppressive to the people that they would have liberated, how did they envisage they were going to deal with such a situation if it ever happened like it is happening now? Fascinating question. Unfortunately, we can't wait for the response now. We have to go to news at 21 hours with Greg Hose. We will say goodbye to Professor Nduli on the other side of this. Weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. We are wrapping up the first segment of this, the Monday lecture on SAFM. Good evening for those who have just joined. I'm Songa Zomabeto, your host together with the production team. The time is 21.05. We will take the next two to three minutes to wrap up the conversation with our guest this evening, Professor Bidik Antuli, who has indulged us on his journey, particularly in the underground. Born in 1940 in Springs, grew up in Whitbank in Bumalanga, while a teacher, artist, and critical thinker living under the threat of apartheid in the 60s and 70s, Ntuli was forced into exile in Swaziland and arrested and made a political prisoner until 19. 19- 78, when international pressure forced his release and exile to the UK. Having already completed an MFA, Master of Fine Arts, at Pratt Institute in New York in 77, he finished his MA at Brunel University in London in 85, after which he lectured art at various international and southern African universities, including Central St. Martin College of Arts and Wits University. He was an artist in residence in the 80s and 90s at schools and colleges in the UK, where he met the love of his life. And he will tell us on another day about that, particularly the significance of 18 February 2024. Among many other leadership appointments at South African universities, he served as DVC, Deputy Vice-Chancellor at the then University of Durban Westville. The question before the break to Professor Nduli was, when they were in the struggle, deep and far in exile, what did they imagine they would return to or what did they imagine their efforts in democratic South Africa would amount to? A very important question, which will be the last and final contribution on this conversation. Prof. Nduli. Uh, what expected was that we are going to come into a place where it is uh, uh, free and uh, democratic, where there is no starvation, where there are no beggars in the road, where there are no drug addicts where our education is going to be an African-based uh, education, where we have got to link with our indigeneity, 
uh, rather than being the photocopies of uh, either Western Europe uh, or anything, where the respect of people across color, race, sexual persuasion, and what have you. In other words, uh, living according to the real principles of the Ubuntu. I am because you are. Ntu, which is the Godhead, according to which we have got to live our lives. That's what uh, my, my dream uh, would be. A dream where old people in the age of technology, uh, uh, 90-year-old women and 80-year-old women can come into a primary school uh, uh, we record the video of the people, so the stories are actually being told. They become part and parcel of the education uh, in, in, in a system. But now to return to a place where there's four classes of education, there are those who are highly there, the modern seas, there are these township schools, there are farm schools, where there's absolutely nothing. Uh, uh, that's not what uh, uh, we fought uh, in a for. We fought for a place where you could be uh, yourself, not that anybody could be, uh, you know, so rich uh, uh, and not care, and others so poor that there's nothing. So that's what we actually did. But mm-hmm. the only thing is that I knew I didn't betray my principles. Uh, I may be in a terrible state. Uh, I mean, right now, don't ask me about uh, even uh, the housing. Uh, 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 you know, us and this who threw us actually into the street. Me at my age and my experiences, if uh, how they can treat me the way they treat me, what is the future for the young artists that are coming there? Those young girls and young boys uh, who are there actually into the art. It is gloom and it is this and it is depressing. Mm. Very painful. Thank you but, so but, much. But, 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 but all in all, knowing people, I never lose uh, uh, my hope. And I hold the hatred. The wind will come from the Thank you. Babanduli, thank you so much for your time.